There was big news in the personal finance world this week as Mint budgeting software announced that they are closing as of January 2024 and rolling into their Credit Karma software. I sat down with Elisa Henry and recorded this podcast episode to talk about her experience moving from Mint to the Debt-Free Mom pay period budget template. Elisa Henry is a mom, wife, and news anchor who started using the Debt-Free Mom template a little over a year ago. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles will show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. You guys know I'm all about finding ways to minimize both clutter and overspending. If you're looking to reduce your clothes spending while still having new styles to try, this is for you. I have a couple events coming up that I'd love to have new pieces for. With the clothes I got from Armoire, I can have multiple high-end options for the price of one outfit. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash debtfreemom. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash debtfreemom to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Okay, so Elisa, you are coming on to share about using different budget tools that have not worked for you in the past and then talk about the pay period budget. So can you give us a little picture of some of the things that you have tried, some of the tools that you had tried in the past to budget for your money? Well, I consider myself to be someone who loves technology. I always love trying new things. And I'm always on my computer. I'm always on my my laptop or on my phone. So I assume that whatever solution I use for money would involve like an app or something. So back in about 2008, I started using Mint. I was in college. And I just heard of this website that will keep track of all your uh, finances. And I had a, a couple of different um, accounts at that point. So I started using Mint in 2008. And I actually also tried YNAB. I got on it. And I got overwhelmed instantly. And I was already doing Mint. And so then, and then I think I, I think I signed up for every dollar, but never actually like did all the work for it. I've also tried personal capital. I also tried L, I think we'll call it LVEST. Like I really think I've tried like if there is a program out there for managing your finances, I probably either signed up at least, if not tried it at least for a little while. But Mint was like my main one that I signed up for in 2008 and used for like, I don't know, where are we at now? 15 years. So yeah. So what attracted you to Mint? Like what were some of the features where you're like, oh, that's what I'm looking for? Or that's what you thought you wanted out of a budgeting tool? What I liked about Mint was that it kept track of all my transactions and across different cards or different accounts. So I had more than just the one big guy. I also had like a savings account and had like a couple of different credit cards. And it also kept track of like if I had a car loan at the time or just whatever financial account, it kept them all in one place. And that's what I liked, especially because I like to be able to go back and see like, oh, where did I like, where did my money go? And I can go mm-hmm. back and look and say, oh, I bought something here. I bought something there. And it kept everything for all these accounts all in one place. So that's what attracted me to it was that everything for all my finances, every time I swipe my card was all in one place instead of going to this website and that website and that website, try to keep track of everything. So you used it for quite a long time, actually, to (laughs) plan things out and manage. One thing that I've found consistently and for myself, I used Mint before budgeting by pay period as well. Mm -hmm. One of my common frustrations was that I was really liking it for how well it allowed me to look back, but I felt like it was almost impossible to look forward. Did you maybe have some of those frustrations or how did you go about planning out what hadn't happened yet as opposed to looking back at transactions that had already happened? Had you tried doing that in Mint? So I obviously heard of budgeting and I thought, oh, I probably should do that. And I felt like I was budgeting because I could go to Mint and see where I spent my money. But like you said, there was no like forecasting. It was really like looking back at previous transaction. And and that seemed okay because in my mind, I'd say, okay, I'm going to only spend $100 on clothes. But I'd go on Mint and see that, okay, I've already spent like 95 so I don't have any money left. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but there was no way really to see like ahead of time. So then I thought I would try paper and pen budgeting. Like, like it's one of those templates. It was like a paper template. But the problem was there's only like 20 lines 
And I needed like a hundred lines for uh-huh. all the transactions I was doing. So I felt like that wasn't working because it, w- it wasn't enough space on there on the paper one. And so then I tried to like put in paper and I would lose it. And so I just kept going back to Mint because to me, like, I'm like, well, Mint keeps track of all my transactions. But what I realized was, like you said, it was only telling me where my money went. There was no way to plan where it was going to go going forward. So when you were using Mint, how often would you say you were checking in? Were you kind of like, oh, it's automatic. It's already synced, so I don't really need to look at it. Or were you pretty consistent about a weekly or monthly check-in to look at things? Or was it more like, oh my gosh, I need to actually look at my budget? It basically went like in seasons. I mean, there were times where I was like every day. I'm like on Mint constantly. I had it on my iPad, on my phone, had it on the computer. Then there were times where like maybe a week or two would go by and I was like, oh, I haven't looked at Mint at all. What I also didn't like is because Mint automatically categorizes your transactions and sometimes they're wrong. And that can be very frustrating mm-hmm. when you need everything to be correct. And so it was say that I spent, like for instance, I buy something on Amazon and because it was a gift, I would change it to gift. Well, the next mm-hmm. time I buy something on Amazon, it would say it was a gift and it wasn't. It was like actually something I bought for myself. So I have to go in and change it. And even with like transfers, if I transfer money from one account to the next, it would count it as income. So mm-hmm. my income would be through the roof which is not true. It was just transferring money from one account to the next. So I and I, so I was trying to stay on top of Mint for that reason, because if I let two, three, four weeks go by, I'm not going to go back and recategorize all those transactions. So I would try to check in with it at least once a week. Sometimes I would do it like every day. And it's hard for me to remember because I've been doing the debt-free mom spreadsheet for so long now. I'm like, how often did I check that? I feel like I didn't <laughs> check it. I feel like I checked it probably a few times a week, maybe, maybe once a week. Always at the end of the month, though, because Mint goes by month. So I yeah. always made sure before the month ended, I went in and recategorized everything so that it would right. be correct before I went on to the next month. So you just mentioned that now you've been using the Debt-Free Mom template for a while. So what made you kind of open from, I've used this tool like Mint for a long time. What made you even consider anything else, let alone this template? Well, I knew I needed something different. And like I said, I downloaded like a template that someone had, but it was the paper one and it was on my mm-hmm. iPad, but it was still like a PDF. So you couldn't make it have more categories. And I follow, her name is Nicole, Begin at Home. And she mm-hmm. would post about the debt-free month budget spreadsheet. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. But again, I was like, well, I'm already kind of doing that with Mint. But then when I actually looked into it, I think I watched a bunch of your videos. So people who don't know, who don't follow you on Instagram, you have a highlight, I believe, that's called tracking. And mm-hmm. so I went back and watched a bunch of those videos. And I was like, oh, this is what I need. Where, mm-hmm. it, where you can add line, like you can add lines, like a million lines if you need to. You can delete categories, but then also can keep track of what you're spending. And then it would be up to me to keep track. And it wasn't like automatic, which I felt like mm-hmm. that was better. So I thought, well, I'll try it. And, I, and as you know, I bought it and like didn't even do anything with it for like four months. And then one day I was like, okay, I'm actually going to like do it. And then I did. And I'm, I wish I would have started it when I first heard about it. So how long ago from right now, how long ago was that when you actually started filling it out and everything? I want to say it's been at least a year, if not okay. a year and a half. I think it's been a year and a half actually, because now it's November. So it was, so July was a year. So it's been almost okay. like a year and a half at this point. Awesome. So when you first made that switch, because that is one of the big hesitations is, oh, well, I need it to be, I don't have enough time. I need it to be Mm -hmm. synced and I need it to be automatic. So when you went from having a tool that was automatic to having one that you actually had to fill in, did it feel like it was taking longer? Did it feel like it was more inaccurate? Like what was kind of that first reaction when you set it up and you're like, all right, I'm going to have to be the one filling this out? That was a big mental shift. Because if it's like, okay, if I buy something, I have to go in here and write it down. But I liked that when I went to write it down, that's what it was. Because like I said, with mm-hmm. Mint, it says it's automatic, but it's not when you have to go in and recategorize stuff. And it's not always super easy on your phone to recategorize using Mint. Where on the spreadsheet, you know that you're responsible. And I thought it was going to take me forever, but it actually doesn't take long at all. Like I, the tracking part is mostly what it's like gas and restaurants and groceries, the things that are like more often doing transactions. But mm-hmm. for the budget in general, like for instance, my son has piano lesson. So that's already in there. The amount, so all I have to do is go in and highlight it when I pay it. So I'm not yeah. tracking every little thing. I think that's what I thought initially, but but when you budget out, you put what you're going to spend and 
probably 70% of the transactions are already written down. All the bills are written down. And all I'm doing is going in and highlighting when I paid it. So I'm not actually having to write down every single transaction because that would be like crazy. But but it's yeah. not it's not that because it's, it's the budget that already has everything written down except for like groceries, gas, eating out. I, I think a lot of times people think you're doing what you describe of like starting from scratch where it's like, yeah. oh, every time I buy something, I have to go write something down when actually if you fill it out the right way, you know, if you sit down and, and map out exactly what you're expecting to spend, both in bills and in just regular spending, like you said, piano lessons, writing down even things like your fun money or your vacations or mm -hmm. Christmas. Having those all written down in advance lets the tracking become more about tweaking and adjusting and recording things, you know, marking things as paid than it is about starting from scratch. And what's funny about that is I also think to myself sometimes, I don't feel like writing this down, so I'm just not going to buy it. Like, yeah, which is so funny, but I really feel like that helped me because if I would be like at the gas station and going to buy like a dollar fifty juice, I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to write this down. So I'm not even going to buy it. I think the other thing for me is when you're aware of your budget and you've looked at it in the past two or three days, if you go to buy something, you already have this awareness of, is there room for this or not? So I think especially when I go to, you know, shop and the, the it's those little things, it's not the big stuff, it's the little stuff. And then I'm like, my budget buffer is already a little bit lean this pay period. So having that awareness of if I go and enter this in, how's it going to affect everything else? It's not that I don't buy stuff. It's just that it gives me a better way to filter out when something really is or is not worth it to me. Absolutely. Like I, I even had that this morning because tomorrow the pay period like starts over. And so I knew that I already had used like my Starbucks coffee budget already. And so I obviously could have just added more money to the card and bought the drink. But I thought, you know, starts over tomorrow and I have some points. So I'm just going to use my point to get like mm -hmm. a free drink today. And then I can start and I can reload the card tomorrow. And part of that is just me deciding. No one's coming in and saying, hey, you can't put another $10 to your card. I'm deciding that because I know like what my goals are. But I think the budget spreadsheet helps out a lot with that because I knew, I automatically knew when my app said I needed to reload that I had already loaded the amount I had set to load like two weeks ago when I got paid and that mm -hmm. I can start again tomorrow. So today I'll just use my stars and it was fine. You know, I got yeah. to get my free drink and I just moved on. So yeah, that, the budget yeah. helps a lot with that. Like you said, knowing automatically where I'm at financially helps me mm -hmm. to make better decisions day to day. I think especially with any tool that is too automatic, that is too synced mm -hmm. up with your accounts, the temptation actually becomes Mint is taking care of that for me. I don't need to look at it. It's all said and done. And then maybe, like you said, at the end of the month, I'll go in and see where everything shook out at the end of the month. And then month after month, you're like sticker shock by, you know, where everything actually went. But by that time, it's all said and done. It's already happened. I call it helpfully inefficient. I think the yeah. template is inefficient in a helpful way in terms mm -hmm. of us having to be the ones to be recording that because if I have to be the one to record it, I also have to look at how it impacts everything else. And so I then, like you said, I get that awareness of next time I go to the store, I don't usually I don't even need to like pull up my budget and check where I'm mm -hmm. at. If, if I've looked at the budget in the last two or three days, you just kind of have it in your mind that you saw where you were at and it helps make those decisions. I love that you bring up nobody's forcing you to because I think that's mm -hmm. a really big hurdle for people who are not yet budgeting is they feel like if they set up the budget, then it's going to be this like bossy parent that's telling them what to do. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, well, I'm an adult. So nobody's going to tell me that I can't load my card or whatever. And it's like, no, but you can tell yourself, right. You can right. tell yourself that I will feel better off by waiting mm -hmm. until the pay period starts. And it's a reframe. It's not a limitation. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I have experienced giving myself whatever I want and it didn't actually feel good. Yeah. And now by waiting, I can actually make it feel good and fit in with my other goals. Especially now that I've been doing it for a while. Like I feel like maybe when I first started, I, I probably, when I first started, my budget spreadsheet was a mess because I didn't know how much I was spending. It was just like, I kept having to add stuff and it was all negative. It was just crazy. But now that I've been doing it for a while, I know like using the Starbucks example, I know that I couldn't put more money on my card, but I know that 
not doing it benefits me in the long run because I've been having so many incredible benefits from using the budget spreadsheet. Like I feel like a budget spreadsheet, like gospel person. <laughs> I'm like, listen, this spreadsheet will change your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what you're doing. This spreadsheet will change your life. And I know that because it changed mine. So I want to tell you all about it. So, and so I feel like that helps. It's easier for me to tell myself no, because I'm not telling myself yeah. no to this drink. I'm telling myself no to not having the money that I need for other things. That's what mm -hmm. I'm saying. I'm saying yes to having money in other areas and saying yeah. no to areas that I, don't, I just don't care about. But I know that because of the spreadsheet. And I, again, I'm not coming down on Mint. Like I, I use Mint for forever. I still have a Mint account. I still get on there yeah. and look at like the net worth and look at like the investments. Yeah. I still look at all that stuff, but I don't use it to help me plan my finances because it's just not the right tool for me mm -hmm. to help me like to help me move forward in my finances, especially because it's monthly and not yeah. pay period based also. Because they have a budget thing on there, but it's by month. And as I've learned following you, pay period makes so much more sense than yeah. monthly. It doesn't even give you an option to do anything different. It's not like nope, it's, it it's not like it's defaulted to monthly, but you can change it. It's just like, that's the only thing that it does. So what is, right. are you an every other week pay schedule? I am every other week. Yes. And I have okay. two jobs. So I get paid from one job. It's, it's the same week, but I get paid from one job one day. And then the other job the other day, and my husband yeah. gets paid on the other, the second day too. So we get like three paychecks from two days, which sounds way more amazing than it is, but it, <laughs> but it keeps up the flow, but it's, it's every other week situation, but it's multiple paychecks coming in. Plus I do some freelance yeah. stuff and it comes throughout like affiliate stuff or whatever that comes throughout. But my, our main budget is for um, our paychecks every other Friday. Okay. Cause that is, that is definitely the group of people who sees the largest mm -hmm. transformation from trying a monthly budget to switching to something, because not only is a biweekly more frequently than a month, but you could go an entire year and never have a single paycheck that comes on the first of the month. Like your paychecks right. could just exactly. all bounce around and it mm -hmm. makes it like next to impossible to feel like you're actually getting ahead because you try mm -hmm. to reset the budget. Like today, like this is timely. We're and this will come out next week, but we're recording on the first of a month. And mm -hmm. so I guarantee you that someone listening made a new budget for November because they were frustrated about their money. And they're like, all right, mm -hmm. it's time to reset everything. So now today is the first of November. And then they go into their bank account and they have even less money in there today than they did yesterday because nothing magical happens on the first of the month if it's not your right. payday. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which is, and, it's and very it's frustrating. Easy not <laughs> what you're bringing in because it doesn't line up. And some some months you get paid more than twice. Sometimes you get paid three times. So it can be very confusing too. So now that you've switched and now you've been using a, a budget by pay period for over a year, and I, I really like what you're telling us is that you really did have to persist through that transition, right? Mm -hmm. Where you first switched to a tool and it is going to feel hard and it might even feel messy but it's not because it's wrong necessarily. It's just right. because it's new. It's just because it's something that you haven't done before. And what we are hearing and seeing in what you're describing is that you persisted through that initial messiness. I remember starting my own pay period budget where I felt like every single day I was adding a new bill to the list of bills because no matter how good I thought I had done at setting it up, it was like, oh, well, I didn't include that or I didn't leave room for this. And so that makes it feel like, oh, well, I'm just bad at budgeting and I'm going to abandon mm -hmm. it. But I think you and I both are testaments to the fact that eventually it does kind of even out and it yes. gets to a point where it is mostly accurate. And then you can just make adjustments and tweaks here and there. But it doesn't always stay this thing where you constantly have to add stuff or everything is falling apart. Right, exactly. And I, and even knowing how much I spend on something, I'm like, I don't know what I spend on groceries. And even looking at like men, like how much do I spend in a month? That doesn't tell me how much I spend per pay period because getting paid different times and all that. And so one month might be this much, one month might be that much. So it really took, it took, I think I said, I think in the beginning you said like, give it like, is it give it four pay periods? I feel like you have a way you say it, like give it like, if, you, yeah. if you're every other week, give it four pay periods or give it six pay periods or something yep. like that to really feel like you've gotten it. And that really does help because in the beginning, I did feel like I don't know what I'm spending on step. And you give us that form or everybody has to fill out. I haven't mm -hmm. done this in so long to remember what it is, where you fill out everything. Yeah, and I thought, Snapchat. oh, this is going to take forever. It didn't take that long, but, I, but I, that was the most like labor intensive part of it was going through and figuring out, okay, 
where did my money go? And it was actually very eye-opening. Even just doing that snapshot was like so eye-opening. Mm-hmm. But even from there, I would forget stuff. I was like, oh, I forgot the DMV. Oh, I forgot our HOA. I forgot like, or I don't know how much we spent on groceries. I don't know how much we spent on gas. And so it took a few pay periods to find the patterns and like, well, maybe we did a road trip. So the gas is different this time than it mm-hmm. normally is. So it just takes a little bit of pay, a couple, a few pay periods to figure out, okay, this is where we're at. This is a normal, normal, if there is ever a normal pay period, but that's mm-hmm. the closest to normal. And every now and then I have to ask and then I forgot, but, but it's, it's way less than when I first started budgeting and felt like I was constantly adding lines, like constantly. Yeah. I even, in, the, in your template is great because you can even move stuff around. Like I, I moved some stuff around that worked with my brain better. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's just, the template is great because you can customize it too to fit how your budgeting and finances work. And my goal is to make it as much as possible feel like I, everybody wants that app feeling, right? You, like you described that at yeah. the beginning where you were like, I'm really tech savvy, so I want it to be an app. And I think especially if you get it nailed down to where it has like the categories that you want in the order that you want them to be. And then especially when you open it like on a phone or an iPad, it actually does feel, at least to me, like a budgeting Mm -hmm. app where I'm like, you know, I mean, I look at Google Sheets and my brain says budgeting app. Like that's that's my budget app. I made it. I made it a shortcut. Like the yeah. you just click budget and it just opens it. So it's just like an and app. It goes right to it's it. It's like a shortcut right on my you have, to, you have to tell everybody, what color is your budget template? <laughs> I changed mine to pink because I said, I'm going to be looking at this all the time. It needs to be my favorite color. <laughs> I well, love as soon as I every time. change the color. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Every time Elisa shares this in her stories, I absolutely love it because I mean, it's not just pink. It is hot pink. And I use the pale tink to like mark stuff as paid. Like I just peeked it out and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like, I like the purple. I the way you have it. But pink is my favorite color. So I'm like, if I can customize it to pink mm-hmm. and that's something I could not do with mint. It sounds like a silly thing, but that little things like that honestly do help you be more interested in doing it. Cause like oh, yeah. you said, you're like, if I'm going to look at this, I want it to be my favorite color. So if anybody's listening, like, man, I really wish I had a template that was blue or something that like, go ahead mm-hmm. and change it to blue. Right. I spent years feeling frustrated that my money wasn't working the way it should. It wasn't until I discovered the magic of budgeting by pay period rather than by month that my money started to feel stable. Pay Period Budget Academy is my signature budgeting course that helps hundreds of women take control of their home finances. Join today at debtfreemom.co slash PBA and use the code podcast at checkout to get 20% off your membership. Okay. So you started a little over a year ago and you, mm-hmm. you had a few pay periods that were kind of messy and had to figure things out and really get it so that it worked for your brain, for your scenario. Mm-hmm. From then to now, walk us through some of the things that are different about you and your finances now than they were when you started. So whether that's progress on a goal or even just how you feel about your money, what's different now that you've been doing this for over a year? Gosh, everything. (laughs) Everything. I think that the biggest thing is that I feel more in control of my finances. So we had a really tough 2022 where I felt like everything was like going wrong. Like we had our water heater broke, our air, our air conditioner went out, our dishwasher broke, like we had to get a new car. I mean, it, it was like everything that can go wrong then. But, and it's funny because I feel like I found your spreadsheet at the right time because I actually found it before everything started going crazy. Mm. So mm-hmm. it helped because I was still getting my bearings with the spreadsheet, but I was able to, for instance, when, when it was time for us to get a new car, we didn't realize we had to get a car when we did. But I was able to look at our finances, look at the spreadsheet. And like, I like that you can uh, forecast so I could type in, Mm. well, if we spend this money and put it right here, what is that going to do to our finances in a month? And because I'd already filled out the rest of that like spreadsheet page, I was able to see exactly what that would do to our finances. I was able to move our money around and do a good down payment with with the confidence that we could Mm -hmm. use money from our emergency fund and put money back in, I could say. This is how much we're going to put back in every pay period, as opposed mm-hmm. to just hoping we have the money, hoping that we can replenish it. I was able to have like more awareness and education about our finances and more like calmness. And even with my husband, because I do the spreadsheet, he looks at it sometimes, but I'm the one that's like in control of it. But he mm-hmm. said that he feels like our finances are set because he knows I have my spreadsheet. Like, she, mm-hmm. like he knows I have all about our spreadsheet. Like, okay, look at this. This is what we're going to do. This is how, this is like we can, this is what we can afford. This is what we can't afford. 
if we have to pull money from here, from there, this is what that looks like. We were also able, this is my biggest thing. We had gotten to so much debt for the first time in my adult life. We got into like, I don't know, it was like $15,000 in credit card debt in one year. It was nuts. Mm -hmm. But we were able to pay $10,000 off in credit card debt in six months. And nothing changed. Our finances hadn't changed. Our income hadn't changed. The only thing that changed is that we started pay period budgeting and we were able to direct money towards our debt and really pay it down quickly because you don't want to just like throw money at your credit card debt and not know what does that do to the rest of my finances. If I put, yes. if I pay a thousand dollars on my credit card, great. But if I can't afford our electric bill next month, or if I can't afford my son's school tuition, then that doesn't help me at all. So I was right. able to make informed decisions, paying down that debt, knowing, okay, if I put this extra money towards the debt, this is what this does to our finances. So that helped a ton with the spreadsheet. And last thing I'll say, it also helped me realize what our income actually was. Because I feel like when you do like Mint or you do the template budgeting that you can't add lines, it's mm -hmm. easy to just count, okay, this is how much I got paid and that's our income. When really... You sometimes are getting income all the time. Like if I like return a shirt to the store and I get $10 mm -hmm. back, I write that $10 in my spreadsheet. That's income. Mm -hmm. Like if I, if my mom like, is like, oh, it's your birthday. Here's 50 bucks. I put that mm -hmm. down. Where it used to be, I would get $10 back, $50 back. And that money's just gone. Like I have no yeah. idea where it went. But now I literally track everything that comes in and you really can get a better view of your finances when you see what really is going out and what's really coming in as opposed to only looking at the big stuff like your income and your bills, but not seeing all the little things everywhere that really do make up your entire financial picture is all those little things. What you hit on, especially with the payments, the credit card payments is a really important difference between monthly budgeting and pay period budgeting. What happens so often is that the reason people often abandon budgeting, in my opinion, is that they are building a budget that looks accurate. So they're like, yep, this is my income and these are my expenses. And this budget says that I should have $1,000 left over extra to put towards the credit card. So that new month rolls around and they go ahead and just send $1,000 to their credit card. But what actually happens if they would take those same numbers and lay them out in a pay period budget, they would realize that thousand is not available until your second pay period. They might need to wait until the 17th of the month to then make that payment. And if people do that a few times and they're wrong, and so they experience the dread of, I made this big payment to my credit card and I can't get that money back, but I actually need it. What they start to falsely believe is that budgeting is the thing that is wrong. Budgeting is the thing mm -hmm. that's not working. And so then they walk away from budgeting when really it's like if we would just have a tool that lets you see when money is available instead of just summarizing your whole month, but actually taking pay period by pay period. We start to realize that money might be available, but it's at, it's available at a much different time than what my monthly budget told me that it was. And if we can get accurate with those, like what you were explaining with your credit card payment, do that one or two times where you make a big payment to the credit card and you don't need it back. You don't regret it. Then your brain is instantly like, we got this. Like we can do mm -hmm. it. Like we're seeing all the bills get paid and we're seeing the credit card balance go down. And that completely changes the game in confidence and in likelihood that people will continue with it. But the hard part is you got to start, right? Like you got you to start do it. Yeah. I love so, the spreadsheet, how it has the rollover option too, because sometimes oh, like yeah. you said, like, okay, I have extra money, but really it's not extra because my mortgage is actually due. And so I need to make sure I mm -hmm. save some of this money from this paycheck for my next paycheck to be able to pay my mortgage. That's a big that's like a big one for a lot of people. I think it's like those big payments, like a car payment or a mortgage where you feel like you have, you, you're like feast and famine, like where you have all mm -hmm. this money or you have no money. But I think the rollover right. option helps because I go in and put how much money do I want to be in my checking account when I get paid? And so if I write $200, that automatically tells me I need to leave $200 from this paycheck for the next one. And it's hard explaining mm -hmm. that, but people who do the spreadsheet understand that that rollover yeah. is like so important. Yep. It's what it helps you do without, yeah, like you said, without being able to look at a spreadsheet and show mm -hmm. someone if someone's listening, what it helps you do is that when we see extra money available in a pay period, before we decide to do anything with it, we have a tool that allows us to ask ourselves, do I actually need this income in a future pay period? And then we can check in on those pay periods. If we need it, we can spread it out. 
And if we don't need it, then we can use that money towards a goal like savings or debt payoff without regret. Mm -hmm. So maybe before, you know, I like that you just described the feast or famine. I always tell people my goal is that you don't feel hot and cold with your money, that you're Mm -hmm. not like, well, we have more money than I ever thought we would have. And then nine days later, you're like, nobody buy anything. And then that, that vicious cycle, I think people get stuck in that cycle all the time. Uh-huh. And all that's happening, like people are like, why is this happening? If if they're paid biweekly, the reason mm-hmm. that's happening is their pay periods. Like hands yeah. down, that's why it's happening. Because what they're experiencing is they live it up in the pay period that doesn't include their mortgage or rent. And then they mm-hmm. feel like they're barely scraping by in the pay period that does have their mortgage or rent. And so then the next one comes and they just feel like they're playing catch up from the previous one. And that's that hot and cold back and forth. And they feel like Mm -hmm. there's no way to get out of it when really, if we would just map it out by pay period, you would start to see those numbers in advance and which makes such a big difference. So maybe, you know, maybe all thousand of that is not available towards goals, but maybe 500 Mm -hmm. of it is. And you Mm -hmm. can find that out if you look at a pay period budget. And you can look and see like, okay, what do I have? listed here to buy is there anything I want to eliminate because I like how the spreadsheet has the percentages of what like the percentage of your income that is spent in this category so I realized I can cancel all my subscription and save a hundred bucks you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. in in like six pay periods which isn't really that like it's not that much money when you're talking about other things that you really could cut like well maybe I could cut out this other thing that's actually a way bigger chunk of our mm-hmm. money versus, and then and still keep my Hulu for $6. You know, I think right. like mentally, I think it is good to get rid of things, but the budget spreadsheet helps you get rid of the right things. Like, well, maybe I could pull back on maybe some of what we're spending on eating out, but I can still go to Starbucks in the morning before work because that isn't nearly as much money as I'm spending going to lunch three times a week. You know, so right. it just, it, the budget spreadsheet really helps. And it helps me with what if, like, okay, what if I accepted this freelance gig what would that do to our income and I can type mm-hmm. it in or what if I what if I like cancel this service what will that do so I I like that because it's, you're just like kind of playing around with the numbers when you're looking ahead and that's something else that meant and I don't know about why not but that's something else that like those apps don't really let you do is actually mm-hmm. like the what if of it all like for some people it's what if I were to quit my job something big like that or what if we get a car payment like what would that do to our finances and the yep. spreadsheet really helped you to do those what ifs without it's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say, oh, actually, I don't want this to happen. Delete, delete, delete. And then it, and it's fine. As opposed to actually yeah. like a lot of us play what if in our lives when it actually has consequences as opposed to like yep. spreadsheet, you can just do it and see. I, I hope that what people realize is when we talk about those hypotheticals, like you said, like getting a car or even like, okay, we're going to sign our kid up for preschool. Should we do this one mm-hmm. that's 500 a month or should we do this one that's, you know, 700 a month? And what happens is those conversations take place in really hypothetical ways when really the numbers are available to you. There yes. is actually a way to look at the real numbers, not, oh, mm-hmm. I feel like we could afford this car or, <laughs> and I think that's what happens so often is, you know, people sit down to make these really big commitments to a new expense and it's not even necessarily debt. Like you said, it's deciding to leave a job or, you know, school or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, well, yeah, I feel like we could make it work. And then they just go and they leave their job. And it's like there is actually ways to make real decisions that are tied to the numbers instead of tied to what we feel like is going to happen. Because a lot of times I will tell you, I'm a very numbers minded person. But what I feel like is going to happen is very different than what actually happens. Absolutely. And and I think sometimes people think of budgeting as something telling you what you can't do as Mm -hmm. opposed to it being, I feel like better. So I'm like, okay, I set aside money for what we call miscellaneous spending, where it's like like a hundred dollars. But then if I want to buy something like really random, I'm not like stressed out. Like, can I afford this? I was telling someone because she was saying she wanted to do a no spend month. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what's better than a no spend month is just setting aside the money to spend. That's way better than telling yourself you're never going to spend any more money. Like I get no spend months help when you want to scale back on like massive spending. But I think what's helped me is I've actually set aside some money. So if I want to buy like digital stickers for my iPad for $6.99. I'm not stressed out thinking this is going to break me. Instead, mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you like this money? And I can also like the gift of fresh starts, like you always say. Yeah. I can say, okay, this is a fit in this pay period, 
But like next pay period, I'll put it in there so I know I can mm-hmm. buy this thing then. That's what's helped a lot too is that budgeting hasn't been a way for me to not spend any money. It's actually been a way to spend money more peacefully as opposed yeah. to just being like, well, oh, well, I spent all this money at TJ Maxx. Like, oh, well, instead I'm like, yep. okay, I'm going to plan this out and I know how much money I have to spend on this. And sometimes you have to add stuff. My husband will buy something because he's not really the spender in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So he'll buy something. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to add that to the budget sheet, you know, yep. <laughs> which is like really funny, but it does, it does help because then I'm also not mad at him. Like you're yeah. buying stuff. You know, it just helps where I can look at everything. I can even show him like, listen, if you buy this random thing for your lawnmower, that's fine. You need to tell me beforehand so I can put it mm-hmm. on the budget sheet so we can like plan yeah. for it. So it helps me spend more peacefully. So it's not about not spending any money at all. It's about spending and having the knowledge and knowing where your money is going. Especially with that fresh start idea compared to Mint. So I remember when I used Mint for trying to budget, which again, we were also paid bi-weekly, not monthly. I remember feeling when when the categories would go red, like when you oh, would yeah. say, okay, I'm going to spend <laughs> $500 on groceries and then it would go over. I just remember my biggest frustration was like, okay, well, it went red and it's the 20th of the month. What am I even supposed <laughs> to do for the next 10 days? I just right. like felt stuck because you can't like, you can't tweak it. I don't know. Like you can't, once the, once the month was actually running, it was like, I could increase that category so that the red went mm-hmm. away but where was it coming from you know like i had set mm-hmm. my 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 budget and my income for the month so that's something that like you said with peaceful spending i think that has been something so helpful for me as the spender and i think you would maybe identify yourself as that i won't call oh, yeah. you a spender but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think as the spender who also manages the budget mm-hmm. it's empowering in those situations where i do overspend to have a tool that lets me correct it without feeling like everything's going to fall apart. So I went and I did order $80 of stuff on Amazon with no reference for where that was going to go in my budget. And now I need to tweak some things. But if I have the ability to make those adjustments and say, okay, I'm going to lower this category a little bit. I'm going to lower this category a little bit. And and now I see that I need to pull, you know, 40 out of my fund money or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you can really quickly go from feeling stuck in that regret to, okay, I overspent, it's fine, I adjusted it, and we're moving on, which helps with that persistence piece. If I had to completely shift everything every time I overspent, I just wouldn't budget because that would happen too frequently. Uh, But when I have a tool that's like, okay, now that you overspent, we're going to start making adjustments until everything looks happy and green and, you know, nothing's negative. It it almost feels like a game to me to go, okay, the Mm -hmm. pay period is negative. What am I going to shift around until things are positive? And then I'm like, yes, we made it. We did it. Right, exactly. And I think that when you talk about mint, how it would be like red, what what that was training me to do was to not care. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that was like, it just trained me to be like, well, this budget thing doesn't work. And with the spreadsheet, especially when you've been doing it for a while, like I'll say in the beginning, even like four or five, six months in, mm-hmm. even when I am going on Amazon spending, because I look at the spreadsheet so much, I'm just so aware of our finances. Even mm-hmm. if I do like spend a little bit more than I planned, I'm never like just completely out of it. Like, so I feel like when yeah. you're, when, with the spreadsheet, because you're in it so much, you're just so aware of your finances. So even if I am like spending $80 I didn't plan, I know like in the back of my mind, I know that I can move things around and it's going to be yep. fine because I'm not spending 800. Like then, right. that's the thing. I feel like you can't way overspend when you're doing the budget spreadsheet because you just are so aware. And that, yeah. not saying that things don't happen. I mean, we had like so many things happen, like even in, like I said, 2022 and even bleeding into 2023, stuff with family. And I'm like mm-hmm. in the spreadsheet trying to figure out how we can make this work. And and I, I paid off one card slower than I had planned, but mm-hmm. it was fine because I felt like, okay, things... Things are not perfect financially at all, but I'm aware of what's going yeah. on. I think, the, I think the budget spreadsheet really, really helps with that awareness. Yeah, because if you do that budget check-in at the beginning of the pay period, as much as our little spender hearts might want to ignore it, we can't forget, like, right? Like right. we don't have the ability to forget <laughs> that the budget said, this is how much you can spend. And so I can make that choice to, you know, just willfully go far past that. But even if I do that, I it wasn't because I was unaware. So I can't claim right. ignorance, right? Like I can't right. just be like, oh, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to spend right. that. I honestly, interestingly enough, I 
think what what each of us is describing for our family is honestly the ideal scenario for the spender to be the budgeter. Because mm-hmm. I think if the saver is the budgeter, that creates a lot of strife. Like I can just I can tell you right now, if I had to live by Kyle's budget, <laughs> I I would not I would not thrive because he would be like, oh, well, we, we don't need this and we're perfectly content without this because that's how he is, right? Like if he was making a budget for just himself, it would be like bare bones because he's just not a spender. So he would rather yeah. all that money go into goals. But as the spender myself, if I'm a spender and I'm also managing the budget, then I have to mm-hmm. reconcile with myself my own spending habits and how that fits in the bigger picture of our family which then makes it so much better for everybody because he can see that our goals are being achieved and that mm-hmm. I'm not like feeling like I'm withering away in the process by not being able to spend anything. I'd feel like I'm both, like the spender and the saver. Because I feel like moms get a bad rap as spenders, but moms yep. are the ones that are like, hey, his shoes are too small. We need to give him new shoes. I mean, my husband does great with our son, but I just feel like as yeah. the mom, you're always spending more because you're the one for the most part, doing the groceries, doing the clothes, yep. like doing like the tuition for school. But I also feel like I'm all, me personally, I'm also like, okay, we need to save money because this thing is coming down the pike that I know mm-hmm. is coming. And like, so we need to save towards this, but I also need to spend this money. And while I'm here, I'll just grab an extra sweater for myself, you know? <laughs> but I yeah, do think yeah. that, I do think as moms, we're the ones always spending because we're the ones mm-hmm. basically keeping up the household. And that's not true for everybody's household. But yeah. I think that for a lot of, for a lot of moms, it is true that yeah. we're the ones that are doing all the spending in general, but then also yep. like pick up a few things for ourselves while we're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely, I, I agree with you that it's not everybody, but it is statistically probable that it's the woman right. in, in, a, in a household. Because I think, I think we just do have a better ability to hold all of those things in our head at one time. And so then, like you said, if you're out at the grocery store, like if I sent Kyle to the grocery store, he would do an amazing job of getting the groceries, but he's not going to necessarily think of, oh, well, so-and-so is also out of toothpaste and next week yep. there's a spirit week at school. And so we need to right. bring and this. There's the birthday party, um, we need the gift for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so I think I, I do agree with you that sometimes that gets labeled as being a spender. But then if you ask the question like, well, who is that being spent for? It's not that we're the spender, it's that we're the home manager, right? Right, exactly. I always joke that I should start putting my son's name on the Amazon boxes because these are not all my stuff. This is his yes. stuff. <laughs> this is like for exactly. him, not for me. <laughs> like you need a, a label where it's like, this is for the bathroom for everyone, not right. just for me. I think what I really like about your spreadsheet too is that it is geared towards like moms, like women, not just women and moms. I mean, men can use it mm-hmm. obviously and do, but just, I think that a lot of finances are looked at as like the husband does the finances and the, mm-hmm. and the mom is just, out here where I think what yeah. you said when you are the I like to say I'm the CFO of our family so I'm like I feel yes, like when you same, are same. doing that then it's good that you're the one doing the spreadsheet because mm-hmm. you're the one that knows to put down you have to pay for piano lessons okay tuition school uniform you have to put all that stuff down where maybe even if your husband is great with money he's not in the nitty-gritty of oh our kid needs yeah. new glasses and I feel like as mm-hmm. the mom, because we do know all this stuff and it does help get it out of my head and onto the paper. And so that helps a lot yeah. too. And then I can make informed financial decisions that also make him happy because I'm not blowing all of our money, but I can also justify like, listen, this is why yeah. we both work and only have this much money because look at all the stuff we have to buy. <laughs> like, what do you want to cut yeah. out? You know, so it helps us have better conversations where he's not saying to me, we need to save more money. Instead of like informed conversations, like, well, maybe mm-hmm. we do this instead of that. Maybe we go on this vacation instead of that vacation. So I think that, that it helps when the mom or the spender or the CFO, whoever is the one doing the spreadsheet. I think you've really empowered women with this. And I think it's so awesome. And I think for, especially like in those conversations, like you just described, it can be really easy for the person who's not primarily managing the money to just throw out a bunch of stuff that they think should be different or that they want to see change or that they want to buy. And if the person who is managing the budget has a a clear way to show this is what our numbers are. So if you would Mm -hmm. like to do this, then help me figure out how that fits into the budget. 
instead of just being told like, oh, well, I'm going to go, you know, buy this new thing and that's what I'm going to do. Having a tool that is clearly mapped out and that's accurate. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, I understand that you want to do that. Let's look together at these numbers Mm -hmm. because these are our real numbers. I always say the numbers don't lie. So if you feel like you can afford something, but the numbers say you can't afford it, then you can't afford it. And I think it helps to minimize the frustration between the person who's in the weeds of the budget and the person who Mm -hmm. is not looking at it at all and being able to include both of each of their desires, right? Each of their priorities, Mm -hmm. because they're probably going to have different priorities, but there is a place for both of them if they can look at something together, which is hard to do if you don't have a working tool, right? Like if you don't have a budget and so then it's just it's just competing priorities and it's like whose priority should matter. That's you really get into an impasse where it's like, well, each of us yep. do or whatever. But having a tool that exists outside of each of your brains and you can actually look mm-hmm. at it and then decide, I feel like it really does minimize how often you butt heads on some of those topics. Absolutely. You're making informed decision mm-hmm. based on like awareness and knowledge. Like I like to say this is not unknowable information, which is kind of a double negative. Yeah. But these things are unknowable. And so I think that it like if we're, if we're saying, oh, we want to go on vacation, it's like, okay, we want to go on vacation, but we also need a new dishwasher. So let's look at our actual mm-hmm. numbers. You know what I mean? Instead of just yep. being like, yep. oh, let's do all these things for him and for me. It's like, okay, well, looking at our numbers, <laughs> like we mm-hmm. could do a vacation, but we are not going to have a dishwasher. Oh, not, yeah. And it's yep. not bad. It's like, this is just what our numbers are, you know? So I think that that does yeah. help. And on the flip side, you can say, listen, we got our new dishwasher. We paid all that stuff off. Now we can go on vacation. Like, yes, we have the money. Mm-hmm. I'm showing you, we have the money here available to do these things. So I think that it works yeah. on both sides. It's not all about what you can't do. It's also like, right. surprise, we actually can go on this like cruise with our friends, you know? So especially yeah. when you can look ahead and say, okay, we save this much money. Then by the time we get to this pay period, we're going to have this much money. And yeah. it's like so eye-opening and amazing because it doesn't seem like it, but it's like, hey, this will be here if we do this leading up right. to it. So that the looking ahead is what really has been life-changing because Mint was great looking back. And I even still use it sometimes if I'm going to return yeah. something. I can't remember which card I used. I'll look it up yeah. on Mint, look for the transaction, and there it is. But when I'm yep. looking ahead, the budget spreadsheet is unmatched for planning mm-hmm. ahead. Like that is like, to me, that's the only way to go pay period wise, looking ahead, because looking back on where your money went is fine. But when you can look ahead and make a plan, I think mm-hmm. you can pay off debt. You can save up an emergency fund. I mean, I think you can make all of your financial dreams come true, at least mm-hmm. eventually, if you're uh-huh. using the budget spreadsheet to look ahead. Especially with vacation. One really big difference with that is if you don't have a way to look ahead, then it can just be easy to say, oh, we can't afford a vacation. But mm-hmm. if you have a way to look ahead, then you can say, we might not be able to afford a vacation as quickly as we want, but having mm-hmm. a tool that lets us look forward, can we can just map out and see when we can't afford it. So instead of having to tell anybody no, you know, you might need to say, well, we can't go on a vacation next month, but we can go on a vacation in the summer, right? And so right. it's a it's a softer no, right? Like it's not a no, yeah. it's just like a here, let's figure out when it can happen. And it's easier to compromise with, we can't do it quickly, but we can do it, right? Yes. And you can say, when you're talking to each other, like, what do we want? What, what if anything, do we want to cut out to do this thing? Because I think sometimes you can be buying stuff and, and doing stuff because you're just looking at right now. But if you look ahead and say, hey, if we eliminate this one thing, then we'll have this much money. And that can be very eye-opening. Yeah. Or you can say, we thought we couldn't afford this. But actually, we can. We write all the numbers down. I was shocked when I really got into budgeting. I thought we were both working. I'm like, we never have any money. But then when I actually mm-hmm. wrote down everything, I'm like, oh, we actually are in a better position than we thought. But because yeah. money was just going and we didn't know what was happening to it, then it felt like we never had enough. But when we started doing pay period budgeting, it started feeling like, okay, we actually do have enough. And so it justified like going to work every day because there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than going to work every day. Like you have no money. That and is like nothing, horrible. Yeah, nothing to show for <laughs> it's it. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say that the majority of the time when someone goes from either not budgeting at all or a monthly budget to filling out the pay period budget, I would say the vast majority of the time 
it's not as bad as they thought it would be, right? Like they're just expecting that the numbers are going to be like just a dumpster fire of so far over budget and like everything Mm -hmm. is gone and all that stuff. And when you map it out with accurate dates and accurate expenses, I I honestly, if I had to put a finger on it, like looking, thinking about the budgets I've done in the past and talking to people, I would say seven or eight times out of 10, the initial response is, oh, that's not as bad as I thought. Oh, 100%. I, I was telling someone else about this because they were asking me about the budget and they were like, oh, I already know I don't make enough. And I'm like, well, listen, whether you write down the numbers or not, that is what it is. Like whether mm-hmm. you write down all your finances, nothing is different when you wrote it down and when you didn't, it's the same. Yeah. But writing it down gives you actual numbers. So like if you're saying, well, I don't make enough, well, well, how much below are you? You know, right. like, but you don't know. You just know it's not enough. And I feel like if you, once you write it down, it could actually have a number. Are you making $10 less than you, than you need to be making for your lifestyle? Yeah. Are you making $10,000 less than you need to be making for your yep. lifestyle? The only way to know is if you write it all down. And that's why I really tell people with the budget spreadsheet is that it's not, nothing's happening except for awareness. There's nothing mm-hmm. different. Like what, if you write it down, it's just writing it down. It's not like changing it in any way. And obviously yeah. you can make changes, but I think it helps, especially for people who think they don't make enough. I feel like, yeah. and I'm not saying they don't. I think that wages are horrible in this country, super stagnant. Mm-hmm. Everything is so expensive, but I think it helps us to be able to write down and see where we're at. And then you're able to make an informed decision going forward mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying, I don't make enough. I don't even want to add to that because that is the perfect <laughs> little note to end on. <laughs> well, I think what you do is helpful because I like I work full time. There's you have moms that like stay at home. You have yep. people who do like part time. I think and I think I even asked you that in the beginning. I was like, well, are most of the people who like follow your plan they stay at home moms? And you were like, no, we have a mix. You like did a yep. poll and everything. And I think that that was helpful to me too because I felt like, well, I work full time, so this is going to help me. Like, yes, it helps everyone. So I think that what you're doing is helpful to everyone. Alisa, I know you're not a a budget influencer or anything, but can you still tell people where to find you? Because I will say you're one of my favorite follows because I'm nosy about what the local news is like. And so if anybody... If anybody is like me and wants to follow Elisa and just see the background, it is fascinating. I love following you. So where can people find you? I am Elisa Henry TV on Instagram. It's A-L-I-S-S-A-H-E-N-R-Y TV on Instagram and on Facebook. I have one six-year-old son and my husband and my job. I uh, host a game show and I also work at local news. So I post behind the scenes of that. I think my life is pretty boring, but I think sometimes I try to make it entertaining on social media. So, well, you, so you do a good job because I certainly enjoy following. I know you don't use your account as like an influencer kind of account, but I still really, really enjoy following you. Welcome back to another segment of Not Worth Your Money, where Carly and I will share some things that we don't think are worth your money, and we'll get the other person's reaction. As we're recording this, we just wrapped up Halloween, which is obviously the marker between when it is socially acceptable to put up Christmas decorations or not. So my question for you is, this this includes all holidays, holiday house decorations, exterior, like putting them on the outside of your house. Are they worth your money? Is this a leading question to tell everyone what I bought for an exterior decoration two years ago? No, I hadn't even thought of okay. that. Okay. Um, two years ago, actually three years ago, I think it was 2020. It was when everyone was just desperate for an ounce of joy in their life. And I went from someone who would have said no exterior decorations or the classic like white lights trimming your home to... I bought an inflatable light up snowman that I absolutely loved (laughs) for no reason. Like I hard pivoted on my opinion of exterior decorations. It had the brightest, it was like a lighthouse. I mean, it was a LED bright blue light that was lit up all night long. Kyle hated it. So the kids and I collectively named it Kyle. And I think its cord was mowed over or snow blowed over or something ripped and it's no longer with us. One of our kids have thrown it too many okay. times. Well, RIP Kyle, the inflatable snowman. But now I am more, I lean towards just finding a little bit of joy, even if it makes your home look absurd. 
So I still like the classic lights that trim the rooftops and maybe like the candles in the window, but I am now a sucker for the obnoxious inflatable Christmas decorations. I uh, might be surprising, but absolutely not. Absolutely not to exterior decorations of any kind. Lights, like Christmas, Christmas lights on your house or in your window. Sure. Like those, those are fine. I do not understand the decorating your yard for Halloween. Like that is, no, that's beyond me. And I know some people do it and they go all out and they have a good time. So if that brings you joy, then more power to you. But it does not bring me joy. (laughs) I won't be doing it. I think for me too, what makes it tolerable about Christmas is that it's once a year. So if we start to then take all the rules that we apply to the Christmas holiday and then say every time there's any holiday of any kind, we're going to put inflatables and lights and all that stuff, then it just waters it down and it makes the winter holidays less exciting because it's not different. It's just you're swapping out which inflatable and which lights you have. So I am a fan for Christmas time and winter, especially because we live in a cold climate. So we're inside. There's not a lot of pretty things to look at so it adds some joy i do have a lead on a live groundhog for groundhog say that we'll put in our yard with a hat they're so so destructive (laughs) we'll see we'll see all right so what's yours all right so mine is i'm gonna share mine with the audience because my audience of mostly women would i think be interested to hear this i know that mine won't apply to you specifically at all so i have a follow-up question after i say what mine is I was influenced by hearing people all the time talk about this makeup product called Shape Tape. So it is just a regular concealer like every other concealer that I've ever used. But I kept hearing people say that this was the best one far and away. So I bought a travel size sample size of it to see if that was the case. The sample size of it was three times the cost of the other brands that I've ever used in a full size I was like, this must be really, really good. It is the exact same as every other one I've ever tried. I don't understand the appeal. And I know that there are going to be people listening who use this Tarte, I think is the brand, Tarte Shape Tape. I don't understand. I will not is be it, buying any more. Is it tape? <laughs> no. <laughs> it is. It's just like it comes in a bottle and then it has a little wand and you like put it under your eyes. So just like everything. It's like makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but it's like concealer to cover like dark circles or red spots or something the name of the item is shape tape Mm -hmm. anyways i was influenced into trying this and it is not worth your money (laughs) so that's this episode (laughs) brought to you by shape tape so yeah i have no plans to be sponsored by them (laughs) ever and i wouldn't accept it even if they offered because i don't get it so my question to you because i knew that that wouldn't apply to you is have you ever been so overcome by the curiosity of what is that thing that people are buying and why is it that good that you ended up buying it just to try it and were sadly disappointed that it did not at all have the qualities that people were claiming it had. The only time I've seen an ad on, at least to my knowledge, that I've directly seen an ad on social media and actually bought that thing, there was this brand of shoes. They're still around. They're called Indestructible Shoes. They were sneakers that had steel toes. And also the the video was just stomping on a bunch of nails because it was like Kevlar reinforced soles. And I was like, I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought them. I wore them for about as long as I wear any other shoes. It was maybe like 18 months before the end. They were heavy. They were heavy, yeah. Like I, you don't, don't go running in those things. But they were like fun to wear around. And I was working at a summer camp at the time. And so to be able to like, stomp on anything that kids would give me that blast you know i i was not necessarily disappointed I, I, yeah I enjoyed but it. you were not a repeat customer no like when they wore out you bought something yes yeah. yeah and see i see social media ads all the time for things and i sometimes am influenced into buying them this was not a ad situation this was like actual people that i follow and trust say that this shape tape mm-hmm. item was i think the only equivalent i have to that is people that I follow getting really pumped about a band that I then check out. I'm like, I just, I straight up don't get it. That happens kind of frequently. Yeah, here's my thought on it. 
after I used it and I gave it a couple weeks of using it just to see. My thought is that it's one of those things, and there's a lot of things in this category. I think we talked about it last week. I think Taylor Swift is one of them. That once enough people are behind it, once there's enough momentum, then other people start to join the trend and just assign it value that it doesn't deserve. Because it's like, well, if thousands and thousands of people love it, then I'm just going to use it because it must be the best one. So I had that expectation And then once I used it and asked myself, okay, the travel size was $14. So the full size is like $30 plus. If my other one is $7 and this one is $30, is this concealer more than four times better than the other one? And the answer is like hands down no. Maybe like slightly better in, I don't know, ingredients or texture or something. I have not experienced that. And so that's kind of my metric is if something, if I'm going to buy like the quote unquote fancy brand, then the multiplier of the price needs to equal the multiplier of the quality to me. And that is not at all the case here. So I have to assume that it's a result of crowd mentality. I don't want to say mob mentality because that's kind of. That's different. That's that's different. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The, the influence of the masses, that if something has that many high reviews, it just has to be good. Even if once we try it, we're like, I actually would not assign that review to that product. Yeah, that was some good mom math. There we go. It's really good. Make sure the multiplier of the price is equal to the multiplier of the quality. Wow. Well, let's go out on a high note. That was wonderful. <laughs> um, that's been Not Worth Your Money. And we'll see you next week here on the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom Podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances. 